Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Ted Quarters, the podcast. I'm Ted Berg, and here is my lousy theme song. I recorded that yesterday afternoon in my living room, and while I'm not sure it's any good, it is messy and silly, and it is certainly me on every single instrument, and so I'm going to excuse it by saying it works thematically as the intro music for this show, uh, and also as a great reminder to myself to practice the trumpet more often. Uh, If you're listening to this debut episode, I'm guessing you're already familiar with some of my other work. I write for For the Win at USA Today, mostly covering baseball. Uh, This podcast shares its name with a blog I used to have at my old job, which still exists online but never gets updated anymore. Uh, I have hosted the For the Win podcast and USA Today's baseball podcast, as well as a couple of Mets podcasts before that. And I understand that at this point... It sure seems like the podcast market is oversaturated and that it even sounds dopey to be like, hey, I'm a straight white male sports writer living in New York City. Please listen to my podcast. But the truth is I have this opportunity to do something with more or less complete creative control in this medium. And so uh, I'm going to do it. And I've got big plans to make it dope. I don't know that it will be dope. I can't promise that. I have botched the execution of my big ideas before, but I have already pushed this show back a month from when I intended to start it. I blame jury duty mostly, Um, and I feel like it's just time to make the podcast and see what happens. So here's how it's going to work. Instead of just two to three guys sitting around BSing about sports aimlessly for 45 minutes, which has generally been the format of previous podcasts I've hosted, uh, this one is going to exist in shorter segments, at least I hope, which mostly will probably just mean different people will come on and BS aimlessly about sports for like 10-minute increments. Uh, I work with a lot of funny and smart people, so you'll hear from a lot of my For the Win co-workers here, as you will on this episode, uh, talking about sports and other stuff, but I'm also aiming to have various guests of mild and major repute when that works out. I write for a sports outlet, and I watch a lot of sports, especially baseball, so I suspect a lot of this podcast will pertain to sports, uh, but not all of it, and so I don't fully even know what the target audience is here. I suspect it won't ever be a full-blown sports podcast so much as it is a TED podcast, uh, and that definitely uh, feels presumptuous to me, but uh, they're going to let me do it, and so I'm not going to overthink it. There's so many podcasts in this world that I can't even promise this one will be unique, but I am hoping to get a little creative at times and hopefully do some stuff on here that's at least a little bit off the typical podcast radar. The main thing is, and I'm going to put out this plea right now, the more you listen, the more you subscribe, the more you rate and review, the cooler things I'll be able to do. Uh, I'd love the feedback, even if you think it's bad. I would say don't review it publicly if you think it's bad. Maybe just email me with that, but uh, give me give me a chance. It's the first show. And uh, really, I would, I would love any sense that anyone at all is out there listening. It's lonely in here. So please tell your friends, your family, your coworkers, your aestheticians, your baristas, and everyone else. Uh, I suspect normally the show will start with me talking to you like I am now. I have to get used to that because it feels extremely uh, weird to be doing this alone in my apartment. Uh, But uh, again, I will bring on guests pretty frequently, and and I suspect uh, every other episode after this one won't be the first one, and so this will be the only time I spend so much of my podcast talking about my podcast. All right, on with it. 
the first segment is one I'm going to call Spirited Debate. So for the debut segment of Spirited Debate, I'd like to welcome on my colleague, a USA Today sports writer, Maggie Hendricks, who is a great person to have, I think, for this segment, because Maggie, while I very much respect your opinions and they always seem considered, I frequently disagree with them. You know, I feel the exact same way about you, Ted, so this should work out well. Like, it's a weird thing, because I feel like while I disagree with you on almost anything, everything, like everything that comes today, we were disagreeing over Diet Coke versus Coke Zero uh, in our chat room, and yet, if I were going to Chicago and I wanted to find a good place to eat, I'd be like, ah, oh, Maggie would know. She has, she'd have a good take on this. Oh, absolutely. I would never steer you wrong when it comes to food. All right, fantastic. I, I think you might. I think you might. But not intentionally. I think your takes would be at least considered again. Uh, so, but in this case, uh, I'm bringing you on because of a. There's a topical hook. This is a busy season for you. Uh, it is the Olympics, and you like the Olympics. I'm a little obsessed with them. I won't. I won't lie. I can't really come up with many reasons why I would willingly wake up at 5 a.m. and then also work till midnight. Yeah, I mean, that's baseball for me. So I get that. I get that aspect of it. But what I don't get about the Olympics, and I realize that this is probably a pretty ignorant take. I, I'm, I'm walking into this one. Uh, and, I, and I know that you're coming so much better prepared than I am to, to have this conversation. But uh, while I have no doubt that figure skaters and ice dancers and slope-style uh, snowboarders and skiers and various uh, competitors in various Olympic events are phenomenal athletes and and that every figure skater on the ice in the Olympics could outrun me and outjump me and probably outfight me if necessary. Uh, so it's a it's a semantic thing. I have no doubt that there's that they're extremely extremely athletic people. Um, but to me, I don't think a judged competition, uh, especially anyone where aesthetics play a role, should count as a sport. Why am I wrong? Well, you're wrong because you're limiting the idea of what sports is. And if all you're saying is that, that like a time sport can do it or some, something like where you score points like baseball, football, you know, the biggest sports that we're used to here, um, you're just limiting the idea of sport so much when there's so much, there's so many other things we can compete at that don't necessarily involve running or swimming the fastest. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, no, and I, and I get that. But then why, so then is American Idol a sport? No, because I don't think it physically pushes you the way uh, – and I also think you don't have to hit – the other thing that, that people, especially if you don't watch this a lot, forget when it comes to the judged sports is you still have to fit – you still have to hit these benchmarks, whether it's hitting a double axle. Every single figure skater has to hit a double axle. Whether it's uh, – Why? Wait, do, why? Just can – you, can you explain that to me? Sure. Um – to, so to get to the Olympics in the first place, you have to qualify your spot, basically, for your country. Mm -hmm. and, and to do that, you have to compete at the World Championships or at another, like they have two or three other qualifying events. Um, and you have to be able to show that, basically, that you can hang, that you can, you can handle, handle uh, competing with the best people in the world. So there are certain things that are just absolutely necessary. So like in gymnastics, you have to, there's a certain uh, amount of, of flips you have to be able to do. There are like certain levels of, of gymnastics 
skills that you have to do. So what? It's so not- what? What? Ha- what would happen? So say say just let's just say I'm a figure skater, and yeah. I have put together like the most aesthetically beautiful, heartbreaking figure skating routine anyone has ever seen just like uh, uh and and it is so artistic and it just people just start crying when they see me complete my beautiful figure skating routine but i have not stuck a, du- a double axle i have not even attempted it because i'm focused on the art form of it what happens to me like where does it where do i get penalized you get uh, penalized in the technical skill in the technical scores and now, nothing like what you described as a, a, I can't remember anything quite like that happening. That's one of the things that happened to Nathan Chen in the um, team event is that you have to do these certain amount of elements. And if you don't do them, you like, or if you like, say you repeat the same element instead of doing the elements that you're supposed to do, you get no points for it. And you end up getting, you end up getting screwed pretty badly. So that is how it, it differs from, like, say, watching, watching the ballet, where they are, you know, incredibly, uh, like, they're very much athletes, but they're not, it's not a sport. Incredible athletes. I would say that, like, dancers are, like, 60% of the phenomenal athletes I know. Oh, with the story I did on the Joffrey Ballet here in Chicago. Yeah, that's right. Ago, I was amazed at some of the injuries that they've dealt with. It's like, it, like they're right up there with football. It's crazy. Um, but that's what separates the two is that what may, is that you still have to hit these marks and then we can objectively, I can objectively look at Evgenia Medvedeva's triple loop and put it right next to Mariah Nagasu's triple loop and compare it and say, and, and that to me is part of sport too. Cause that's just what a race is, is you're, you're seeing, you're objectively seeing who can do things the best. So, so there's like a there's like a checklist of difficulty events that you of things you have to do, whether it's a lutz or an axle or the different the different techniques. And if you don't check off a certain number of those boxes, you're just not going to get a high enough score. Right. Okay. And if you keep not getting a high enough score, you're not like you're not going to be able to continue to compete because you have to be able to qualify to continue. So would you be like, a, like I, I think about this in terms of like a baseball Hall of Fame debate that people say like I'm a big hall guy or I'm a small hall guy. Would you be like a big Olympics person if 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 someone said I want, and and it would be modified. It wouldn't be like Swan Lake going in the Olympics, right? But um, some sort of ballet competition to be part of the Olympics. Would you think that would be good? Yeah, I would be. I'm definitely, I think, a, a large Olympics person. Like, I, it's a, it's a wonderful tent. Let's bring in lots of people to it. Um, and the, the thing is, is that there are dance competitions, and there are like I like ballet sport competitions. Well, and ball, is ballroom dancing still in the Olympics? No, it's not. It okay. never. It, it was. It It only kind of was as a demonstration sport. Okay. So, um, and, and the thing is, is you have to still set it up as a sport. You have to have benchmarks. You have to have objective ways of judging things against each other. And I think that the thing that was hard for people with ice dance the other night is that what you're trying to judge is so subtle that it can be very, it can, I mean, I have a hard time seeing everything that I'm supposed to see and I watch ice dancing year round. So I can see why it, it like they need to do a better job of explaining. Um, but it's still, that makes it quite difficult. How do you watch ice dancing year round? Is that even an option? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, see, this is the thing about the, the uh, Olympics is that we, we only get to see these sports on a big, huge national, really easy to watch level year round, but these sports continue well, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's the world, there's going to be the world championships at the end of March for uh figure skating and like it's good everything continues so you just have to know how to watch it so like you get a subscription through this ice network and then you get to see all the events that are happening like in in russia at you know 7 a.m on a saturday morning i worked on the launch of the ice network's website no joke yeah, that is too funny. Um, I used to work. I used to part of my distaste for the Olympics. I think stems from an old job I had. I used to work for uh, a, a, the partner sites division at MLB.com. So we did a lot of uh, Olympic sports streaming stuff, especially with a site called WCSN.com that no longer exists. But so yeah, so I I know about like and I could follow the. Um, I'm not into races in general either, just because I I don't think enough happens. Uh, one person goes faster than the other people, but I can understand the appeal in seeing who is the fastest person like I think it's cool to be to know that Usain Bolt is the fastest dude and he's the fastest dude in the world and no one if no one could catch him in a race and that's cool but I guess my the hurdle for me is always like even if you're talking about objective measures right even you're saying like like uh uh triple lutz is an objective thing and you hit it or you don't there's still an element of subjectivity there right like depending on what the judge sees because it's all happening in real time it seems like there's so much to see yeah um I, absolutely there there is still a bit of of subjectivity into it but skating has turned to just like almost every other sport there are replays they can go back and if they're like eh, i'm not quite sure if she really fully rotated that lots they can they just go back and watch and take a close look and and see if if it was and if it wasn't then they they will downgrade jumps or or hit them for an under rotation or things like that what would you think about adding figure skating and i'm focusing on figure skating here because i think it's the one that that uh, aesthetically especially seems the most just like dancing to me um right like they're just so similar it's just one happens on ice what if there was like some sort of figure additional figure skating competitions where it wasn't a routine anymore it was just like how many axles can you do and guys tried like and women and men just started it was like oh i'm going for the six or whatever you know some ridiculous thing that no human being could do but it was just like how many times can you spin around in the air uh, on jumping on ice skates and that and whoever did the most won you know, I wouldn't mind something like that. I think that could actually be a lot of fun. Um, I know Christine Brennan would be like throwing, she would be like throwing water balloons at my head if she heard me say that. Wait, why? But, why? Like, what's wrong with my idea? Well, I mean, more because it, it like, then you're completely taking away any, like, would you still have the figure skating? Yeah, with the art you could screen? still, you could have, you could still have the other figure skating, but I also want to see like, how high can Brian Boitano jump? And that's, I only use that example because he's like the one figure skater guy I know. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I mean, because there are some figure skaters through the years who have been great jumpers, but who completely struggled with the artistic side of it. So like seeing like a guy, there's a, a male figure skater, Max Aaron out of Colorado, that he's an amazing jumper, but man, he could never figure out the whole getting, you know, just getting into the music and that part of it. And I, right, like, I see. I think, and I think that's probably why I like this idea is because, like, I am 
just hopelessly graceless when it comes to any sort of bodily movement. But I am fairly strong, right? So, like, maybe I could jump really high on figure skates and come down. But there's no way I'm going to make it look nice. Yeah, I mean, I I think it would be interesting. Like, like gymnastics has just straight tumbling. And they it's not in the Olympics, but it's still, like, a, a big thing that you can do tumbling. Mm-hmm. So never know i mean maybe so we've come to some sort of agreement that like uh, skills challenges inside figure skating would be kind of dope yeah it'd be kind like of fun. how long can you spin around on what's it what's it called when they do the thing where they stick one leg up and they spin around uh i mean that's just a spin that's all they call it oh there, there, i would think that there would be a better name for that that's disappointing yeah. but there's, how, a, like, there's a bunch of different names for the different spins, but they're they're all just. What about they do what they do one where like they have like the their front foot out like ankle forward with with the back foot on the on the on the ice and they spin. Is that oh, that, one, that, one? that one's called a uh, duck shoot the duck spin. So like, wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be cool to see who could shoot the duck for the longest time? Yeah. And then like, and then it would be like, and then it would have a component of like a dizzy bat race too, because you'd get to watch them try to get off the ice after they've just been spinning around for like 45 seconds straight. Yeah, that would be fun too. I mean, they do this at rinks when they're like, when they're working on their technique. So why not? I, okay. Well, good. This, I was hoping we would fight more, but this was fun. Thank you for joining me today, Maggie. Thank you for having me on. This was great. Congratulations on being the first ever guest of this podcast. All right, with that, I'd like to move to my next segment, which I'm going to call Fun Facts. Fun Facts. All right, for this edition of Fun Facts, I'm joined by my coworker and neighbor, Mr. Charles Curtis. Charles, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing well. Welcome to the first episode of Ted Quarters, the podcast. I'm so psyched. I've been I've been waiting for this legitimately for maybe a year or six months or however however long it's been since you have not podcasted for 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 the win. This is this is is monumental. If people don't know this while they're listening, they 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 should acknowledge it. Well, I appreciate that, and that is also a lot of pressure. But uh, let's get into the fun facts. Let's get into so so the idea of fun facts is fairly straightforward. Uh, I have a guest on uh, probably will pretty frequently be Charles because he has a lot of facts. Uh, I imagine you'll hear a lot from him here. Uh, and, and Charles and I will share with each other one fun fact, not even necessarily a fun fact, just a fact that we have found on the Internet recently. Uh, no topical hook whatsoever, just something that interests us. Uh, give me what you've learned, Charles. Well, today's fun fact is brought to us by the good folks at, 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 on, who are on Twitter. Not actual Twitter, but people who are on Twitter. I was, you know, doing my usual duties as, as uh, you know, a, a writer and whatever for the win. And I stumbled across a tweet from, from Felix Salmon, who is uh, a well-known Twitter personality, who is um, a host and editor of Cause and Effect, had mentioned that 270 Park Avenue, which is an address of a building in New York City where you and I both live, and in it, 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 he says that, that 270 Park Avenue will become the tallest voluntary demolished building ever anywhere in the history of the world. And my mind was blown. Why would a building in New York City become the tallest voluntary? Now, obviously, that comes, you know, with, with some, some caveats, right? Like, you have to voluntarily knock it down, not actually have it knocked down by, you know, awful things. So 
Um, I looked into a little more. Turns out that 270 Park Avenue uh, is a very famous building in New York City, which J.P. Morgan Chase is planning to tear down at their headquarters and build a taller building. Um, the current building is 700 feet tall, 52 stories currently, and it will now stand at 1,200 feet tall. And my mind was blown because that's a pretty cool fact that there is a building that will be voluntarily torn down, which and I think it's kind of absurd, right? Like what you need, like an even taller tower than you already have. And it you're sounds like, I mean, pay. I read the article. I read the, it sounds like they kind of do, right? Like they, they just yeah. have too many people. I get, yeah, right. Like they need a, a million more square feet of additional office space, which is according to the real That's what I'm staring at right now. Um, and obviously they have the money to do it, but what that requires them to do is to pay for the airspace around them to the buildings around them, mm-hmm. which is, a, a crazy thing and it requires them to knock it down and is i was airspa- there is, th- is airspace like an exclusively new york city oriented thing because like i feel like every you always hear about the airspace with buildings for sale here and and i rarely maybe i'm just more tapped into new york city real estate stuff but i don't feel like i hear about like the airspace in west palm beach right i don't i i, I would imagine not and again but you and i are very I'm, I'm very new york centric where i'm sitting there like uh yeah i guess you know you wouldn't necessarily have to deal with air rights if you're i don't know maybe in Los. i'm thinking like las vegas right like where if you have a view out the window and and somebody proposes to build a building that that takes over your view like maybe you have to pay the building for that um and i know this because my and 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 now we bring it back to new york my parents uh live in a building that's near a hospital and they the hospital built a building that like basically obstructs their view of the east river Uh and i believe they had to pay the building for that i'm i'm not i can't confirm that yeah, I always I I frequently wonder about that when you see like an apartment with a, with a cool set of balconies and then like a way bigger building going up right next to it that's going to obscure the view. Uh, I do think about that. But get get back to the tell me more about 270 Park. Well, to so 270 Park a historic building in some ways because I think it was Union Carbide who used to have it and mm-hmm. and they're going to tear it down and it's going to be a massive uh, uh, skyscraper uh, that has already, you know, sort of been a, a skyscraper. I fell down a Wikipedia hole on this fact because you sent me the list of which is a Wikipedia list that exists obviously, the list of the tallest voluntarily demolished buildings and uh, there are a number on there that uh, were damaged, were so damaged by some disaster that they had to come down. And so I think that's like sort of a technicality for a voluntarily, you know, if like if a storm destroys most of your building and, and it's it's no longer usable, but you have to take it down. I don't know that that's a voluntarily demolished building. Uh, but but among the ones that have just been torn down sort of by time, uh, by, by people deciding it's time to upgrade them, it's funny because they come sort of in two waves. Uh, and the first was in the 1960s when they got rid of a bunch of these sort of beautiful old gothic and and art deco skyscrapers from the first days of skyscrapers in the early part of the 20th century and then in the last 20 or so years it seems like people are getting rid of all of the buildings they built in the 1960s to replace those beautiful old ones so i I, and and if you look at the union carbide building the the building they're taking down uh history notwithstanding it's not a building with a ton of character it's just basically a, a giant glass and steel concrete rectangle to make another one which would and, and it sort of brings it to like the the rant that i can deliver just like stop doing this new york like new york is filled with these beautiful awesome buildings and obviously i know that, that new york is building up now where where every building you way know you see up, this happening way yeah up. you see this happening around central park where where people see realize that there are all these you know really expensive 
you know, pieces of, of real estate that you can sell to people who have the money to pay for it. And it's, 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 it's messing up the, uh, the, the, the skyline and it's, and it's just, it's blocking people's views. It's just, it's too much. We don't need that. And they're all, um, a lot of these buildings are residential buildings that are going to people who will absolutely not live there. Right, people right. It'll just, be pied-a-terres, yeah. which which are absurd. I live and now across even, the street from even, a pied-a-terre building. Not even. It's just people who invest in the real estate market in New York because it's so safe and it's a safe place to to, to hide your money, basically. And then you you don't even need to use the apartment. You just have that as an asset. Yeah, it's it's absurd. So seeing this, I was like, uh, another another tall building going down. But this one's so tall that it makes history and. It'll go down for a taller building. I also was sort of wondering how you manually dismantle one of these things because right, you can't bring I, a wrecking ball to. I mean, I guess you can, but you you got to be careful about that in Midtown Manhattan. No, if it swings the wrong direction, right? Or what about an implosion? And and can you imagine an implosion that you kind of see like uh, like with an old fashioned stadium like you would see in Detroit or you see in Seattle where they blow up something and implode it and there's all this dust and stuff. Like, can you imagine that happening, you know, in, well, in, yeah. in town Manhattan? Like, I remember even at Shea Stadium, which is pretty isolated and surrounded by parking lots and, and, and junkyards, basically, uh, right. the New York City wouldn't allow them to implode Shea Stadium. They had to take it down piece by piece, which was kind of sad and, and perfect for the Mets. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was very symbolic. So, yeah, so I'm curious to see what a mantle dismantling, a, a manual dismantling, I believe is how they're, a manual demolition, demolition of that happens because i think that'll be really kind of fascinating to understand like what the process is for something like that in a crowded new york city block i want to get on to my fact but one last fact on this fact uh just for you and you probably know this already but this is interesting to me so right now there are only two buildings in new york city taller than the empire state building there's uh the one world trade center the freedom tower uh which is the i think the tallest building in this hemisphere and one of the new ugly buildings you referred to uh the one on i think it's on madison avenue that just looks like a Mm -hmm. cigarette sticking up into the sky it's horrible um by 2021 there will be five new buildings taller than the empire state building in new york city that stinks I don't know. Some of them are are kind of cool looking. Some of them are kind of cool looking. Are they? I looked them up. It's a mixed bag. There's some of them, because I'm all about, like, adding new interesting skyscrapers. It's the ones like that that cigarette one that that they stink. It just looks awful. Yeah, well, I think about like the Verizon building. If anyone has ever, ever seen the Verizon building in New York City, it's just a giant concrete hulk. And it's like... Don't do that. Do something cool. Actually, Ted, I'll refer to something that you sent to me before before we, we podcasted here, um, which was a, a look at a building that had like gargoyles and outdoor things that you could, you know, on. Yeah, that was. I, I mean, that was a concept. I don't. I don't think. I think right. that, that's the type of thing that's prohibitively expensive to actually build, especially if you're in this world where the 40 years after you build a 900 foot tall building, you're just going to tear it down anyway. Right. Oh, the, the the point that, that that we were making was like we want more buildings, and I, I the, the, my comment on that was like, man, that would be really cool. I, we need more buildings that look like they belong in Ghostbusters, like the building that where they 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 blew up the the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, the, the building that eventually, which is on Central Central Park West, the corner apartment of Spook Central. <laughs> right. Yeah. That 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 building where they they defend they uh, uh, defeated Gozer. Right. Like that's. That's the one I want. More of those in New York City, please. When someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Uh, all right, I want to get to my to my fact, uh, which is, uh, and and I should say, so this format, this this aspect of the format, is completely ripped off from an awesome podcast called "There's No Such Thing as a Fish," uh, and it's it's operated out of London. 
and so I guess because I I, uh, I am indebted to that, which is just what they do. It's four people, and they just present facts back and forth, and they're hilarious, and they find the most fascinating uh, little bits of information. Uh, so I wanted to go with something that has a, at least a little Great Britain hook, and that is that uh, the great auk, which is an extinct bird, uh, and for whatever reason just an object of, of my interest for a long time now, uh, the last great auk seen in Great Britain uh, was killed by three Scottish men on the, ir- on the island of St. Kilda off of Scotland uh, because they thought it was a witch. <laughs> they thought the bird was uh. a witch. Apparently this was a thing. They called them the Garefowl, and it was like a stigma that these the great auk will, might have been uh, a witch. And so what these guys did was they they found this great auk. The last these are this is a dying species. Everybody knows they're going extinct at this point. Uh, it's 1840. They find the great auk. They tie it up for three days, and then when it rains. When it rains, they decide, oh, because there's a storm, it must be a rich, uh, it must be a witch, and so they stoned it to death because it rained. It rains 55 inches a year on this island. That's that's 17 inches more than Seattle gets in a year. Uh, so it rains all the time. They waited three days. It rained, and they said it must be a witch, and so they killed it. I mean, like, how many bad things have been done in history in the name of witchcraft? Like, or, or well, the, I mean, the far, thought far of worse, Far worse than the death of the great auk, I would say. But, but still, it's yeah. It's yet yeah. another one. Apparently, I, I know I know way too much about the great auk. It's like one of my favorite Wikipedia pages of all time. Uh, and but that, that, that fact actually comes from a book that I looked up, which was called Who Killed the Great Auk? Um, and it's on, you can find tidbits on, on Google Books. But uh, also, the, the great auk was, I guess delicious was really the main thing um it had a a layer of fat that made it perfect for roasting over fire and also was incredibly stupid and so or or i guess not stupid so much curious and much like the the penguins in march of the penguins where if you go to antarctica and set up those penguins will just come find you um and so that's what it was like with the great auk which was in in the you know the sort of north sea islands uh they would just pull their boat up to land and lower the gangplank and dinner would just walk right on. Like whole flocks of these auks would just walk right onto the boat. They were flightless, so they couldn't go anywhere. And so then <laughs> that's how they went to the slaughter. Oh, so sad. I mean, I, I was looking around at this because I was like, I don't even know anything about the auk and the, the, the great auk. And it's just really kind of fascinating how the story of the extinction of the great auk has become part of literature and part of, you know, um, for example, the, the, and again, I'm, I'm borrowing heavily for, like you did from the, from the Wikipedia pages. And again, we, you know, we should know to our, our listeners here, right? Like Wikipedia don't, don't always use it as a source, but you know, like this one, this is a really fascinating page. Um, the scientific journal of the American ornithological, the ornithologist union that's what it is 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 named the auk which i love i'm like that's like you know a nice way to honor the bird is like to, to that the name of your your journal is after this one um and also that it was mentioned in ulysses which is a book that i have a, a lot of issues with but i i had to read as part of my english major at uh good old Haverford college um and i never saw the auk maybe because i was i don't know paging through it a little too quickly because it was uh, dense and boring it is dense and boring, but uh, but apparently it was mentioned in there, and you know, and again, it's sort of like a cautionary tale, like like be careful, or you end up like the auk. It, 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 it seems to be the theme of of these these 
uh, literature uh, references, literary references. Yeah, it feels like humanity in general has been terrible to the flightless bird, I suppose because they can't go away. They can't fly away. They're never going to be that fast, and uh, they're probably tasty. Right. Well, and also, right, yeah, that, that layer of fat will do it. And, you know, I'm staring at the pictures. They look like penguins, basically. They just seem to, like, have a little bit more of a beak of some kind. Um, I am no ornithologist, but it, it just, you know, they got the black and the white, and, they, you know. Uh, it's just such a bummer. Uh, it's it's so sad to hear about extinction. Because I hope, just think like, yeah, what could be used to prevent that? You know, I hope that someday we are able. Like, first of all, I'm all about. I know that like some people would say this is uh, I don't know the tempting fate or something. But like, I'm all about bringing back instinct animals. I say if you can pull off Jurassic Park, go for it. Absolutely. If the dinosaurs happen to take over, whatever, yield to our new dinosaur overloads. Oh, Lord's fine. Uh, I I think that they should clone the great auk. If they can, if they could do that, bring a pack and let me eat one because I would like to try that. <laughs> so you want to, you want to, you want I want them to bring back many it. of them. I want them to bring, I don't want to eat the only one. That's like some, that's like some Kanye stuff, right? But uh, <laughs> I, I want, I want them to bring back a lot of them and I get to eat one of them. Uh, you know, uh, it's, if, they're, if they're bountiful and plentiful and we bring them back. Yeah. And I think that's possible, right? Like, Somewhere you find DNA. I think there are eggs somewhere that that people have. Well, there's that, so the that... last people, the last, the very last one was killed by preservationists, uh, and because people knew that they were going extinct, they did a reasonably good job of like finding their hides and fur and bones and and different things. So we do have a lot of great auk body. Uh, out there i don't i don't know how realistic the jurassic park cloning scenario is but i gotta figure there's some sort of great auk dna in there somewhere yeah which makes me wonder like, not a lot of science it, behind that statement just gonna say not a lot of science right right just, and i'm gonna say something even less scientific like hey are, are, are we anywhere closer to do to a jurassic park scenario where like somebody finds I don't know. There's mosquito I don't think and amber with the dinosaur DNA, and then all of a sudden you've got like every different type of dinosaur. Right, which was a little stretchy, but you know, Michael Crichton really, you know, knew his stuff about that, science. Did you read? Did you read Jurassic Park the book? Yeah. Oh yeah. That was it. Like he, he went like incredible detail on the science stuff. It was. It was. I mean, because I read that like I read that pretty young, and that was a lot. Same. That was a lot of science. Yeah, and 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 he knew his thing. He was a he's he a was doctor, a doctor, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So he he knew his stuff. Like so, I don't know. You know that was the 1990s. Like we're you know we're almost 30 years later. Come like with, come, come on, come with like. the dinosaurs. Come with the dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But of course, people are going to have read the books, seen the movies, and just say yeah. like, don't even try. It's sad you know? because it's such a visionary idea that Michael Crichton had that probably ruined its own visionary idea. Which is absurd in and of itself that, like, that something fictional could actually, you know, potentially come true. I mean, uh, and, and, and ruin it, um, which, I mean, and we're getting really off the rails here, but it reminds me of, like, Network, uh, one of my all-time favorite movies uh, that, that predicted the, the rise of reality television and, and, and the, the importance of, of news or the way that people lean on the news for, for certain things or whatnot. And it's come absolutely true and then some so it's actually the movies become a cautionary tale which is just absurd charles i feel like we should wrap up because i'm trying to keep segments short here but this has been fascinating thank you you're quite welcome please come back i will 
Okay, so a little background on the last segment of the podcast. A while ago, a couple of coworkers and I had sort of a half-cocked idea for a video series where we would go out and try to do fun stuff with strangers, uh, which... At, when I say it like that sounds sketchy as hell, but uh, that wasn't the idea. The idea was to sort of try to break down some of the barriers that people put up around themselves, especially in New York City, uh, and also just to, you know, have some fun and do some silly things. So this was the first attempt at doing it in podcast form. I'm not sure how well it worked, but it was a pretty good time. So here is In the Real World. So I am here, it is a beautiful day in Central Park in Manhattan, and I am joined by a group of lovely young people who are going to help me destroy a piñata. Um, so, true story about this piñata, I got this for a, a video thing we were supposed to do at work, and I filled it up with really good candy, and then it sat in my apartment for some time, uh, filled with candy. So I should, full disclosure, some of it might be kind of old. You should check the expiration dates, but everything, everything's good. It's good candy, milk duds. I don't even remember what all the stuff I put in there, but there's some fun things in there. So who would like to use this plastic baseball bat and hit the piñata? Uh, what's your name? Angie. And where are you from, Angie? Jersey City. And you're not going to sue me, right? No. no matter what happens. All no. right, perfect. <laughs> All right, Angie's going to take her first whack at the piñata. Uh, and you guys can kick any candy that comes out, obviously, when you hit it. But you're all friends here, so you can share the candy if you want to. That's probably the we best. can, but... But you don't have to. <laughs> Go for it. You don't have to take so many, though. <laughs> Save some film. Got it. Angie is loading up. It, that's a good shot. Take another. Why don't you take three shots? It's a monkey piñata. The monkey is adorable. It kind of feels bad hitting the monkey. What's that? Yeah, it's, well, it's filled with stuff. Angie is commenting that it's a very hard piñata. It might be stronger than the bat. All right, three good shots. Who wants Who wants next? Should be me. Yeah, what's your name? I'm Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Where are you from? I'm from Hungary, Budapest. Hungary, Budapest. Do they have piñatas in Budapest? They do, actually, but not that often. All right, well, take a shot. Do you, do, have you ever seen a baseball bat before? Yes, I, I, I have. All right, cool. Okay, let's see. Okay. All right, Daniel's taking a shot. That's a that is a big swing. I think he's gonna get candy soon. Uh, I see a hole in the monkey. All right, three good shots. Who's next? What's your name? I'm Grace. Hi, Grace. Where are you from? Indonesia. Indonesia. Yeah. Wow. I and we do have piñatas. Yeah. We parties. do. And have you swung a baseball bat? Nope. All right. Good luck. <laughs> Uh-oh, she's tied up in the string. I did a really bad job. I should say I did a really bad job tying it up. I don't really know how to hang a piñata. All right, she's going overhand. That's a bold swing. No candy yet. This is taking longer than expected. Who's next? What's your name? I'm Yardena. Excuse me? Yardena. Yardena. And where Beautiful. are you from? Israel. Israel. Yeah. Wow, you guys are from, like, all over the place. Yeah. This is, I thought I was going to get, like, four people from the Upper East Side. All right, this is great. Um, take a shot. That, Yardena has some power. I think, you'll get, take one more. I think there's some candy about to come out. This is going to be an explosion of candy and stuff. This is sad so far. No candy. We have like, we have what? That's 12 shots, no candy. Do you want to go? You're the last. All right. So 
This is Joel. Joel, where are you from? Joel, I'm just American. Just, just in, but where in America? Uh, I grew up in Minnesota. Okay. So that's still far. It's still yeah. not, yeah. It's still far. How do you guys all know each other? We're, We're in acting, acting school. school. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Alright. Uh, Joel has Woo! produced some candy with a big American baseball swing. You can tell. Oh, uh, now there's a lot of candy. Uh, someone can finish off. Yeah, there's... That's Daniel. All right. Daniel's going for it. Oh, oh no! There's, a, there's an incident on the backswing. There's an incident on the backswing. Uh, that'll do it. All right. Uh, so, do you guys want to see what you got? Um, see, there's some pretty good candy. I feel like uh, we should. But the problem, the problem with pinatas is you have to then pick up the candy, which kind of stinks. Um, but hey, look, milk duds. There's fruit by the foot I put in there. Almonds, that's good. That's a healthy that's snack. Oh, yeah. yeah, I forgot all this stuff. I don't have any of this, so yeah, take whatever you want. Oh, I brought I brought bags if you guys want grocery bags. Um, I <laughs> really? I actually don't want any of the candy. All right, if you don't want any candy. I do, so. All right, take as much of the candy if you want, and then I can clean up the rest. Don't worry about that. I don't want to pull. I feel like this is. I don't know that pinatas are expressly legal in Central Park, so. Oh, I will not. definitely clean up afterwards. No, I'll just stick it in my purse because I don't have a lot. Uh, any good? Oh, there's popcorn. Do you want popcorn? Beef jerky. I put beef jerky in there. That's good. It's got high protein. No? Well, good luck with the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for doing this. This was fun. Uh, you guys sure you don't want more candy? Now there's so much candy. I'm going to be giving out to strangers in the park. It's going to be weird. Take, take as much candy as you want. Give it to your friends. Share it. This is like... Yeah, if you want the monkey so head, you can have that too. The Look, there's packs of packs of gum in there. The podco- podcast is called Ted Quarters. It does not exist yet. It will exist tomorrow. Ted Quarters. That's my name. I'm Ted. Oh, hey, Ted. Hi, You're Ted. Um, yeah. All right. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna stop the recording now because there's candy everywhere. <laughs> um, but thanks thanks again for doing this. I Thank hope you, so you enjoy much. this candy. Thanks for the candy. Thank you. So that's it for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it wherever you see it. Uh, if you've got feedback, you can get at me at Twitter at OG Ted Berg or on Facebook at facebook.com slash tedquarters. Thank you so much for listening and peace out.